This morning we're going to think through about the Holy Spirit. I know that there is a Trinity, a happy and holy Trinity, that is one God or three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know that. And we're going to focus, though, specifically on the Spirit because the text focuses specifically on the Spirit. I think we need to continue to understand as God's people that it is the text of Scripture itself with its truth that drives what we think and how we live. The Spirit is with us today, and He's always with us when we gather in whatever form that is. He's our best forever invisible friend, here to help us. Help us to love Jesus and obey what he says. Okay? Now you've got what it's all about. Well, you can switch off for a half an hour's sleep, you know, have a little kip, and then come back at the end and sing a song. Or you can engage with the Spirit. There you go. Choice is yours. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you rule over us in love today. You're our gentle Lord, kind and caring, as we have sung so movingly about your cross. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We don't always feel like praising you. Sometimes we, our souls are sometimes very unhappy indeed. But that doesn't put you off. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live inside us and you continue to live inside us, even though you know everything about us. What a good friend you are to our lives. Not just as individuals, but as a congregation. So, Spirit, come and do your work then. And honor Jesus through the truth. Amen. So, Paul wraps up his encouraging letter to this young church with a variety of commands and instructions. They take you really from verse 12 to verse 22. The big matter before the church, as we have seen, is how should the church live in the light of the return of Jesus? And the return of Jesus is still very much to the fore. Paul's prayer in verse 23, I read it to you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you to this, calls you uh, to the new creation to live forever, is faithful. He will surely do it. Blameless, therefore, means that as we live together as God's people, we love Jesus and we obey what he says. That is what it means to be blameless. Not perfect, because none of us are perfect. But in the sense of loving Jesus and truly seeking to obey as best we can, we are to be blameless on that matter as a church. Yet these commands, if you read them, and I encourage you to go home and read them, they show us they're just impossible to live, aren't they? How do we make sure no one repays evil for evil? How do you do that? How do you obey that command? How do you rejoice always? 
always happy in Jesus? How do we pray without ceasing? How do we give thanks in everything? Because that's the will of God for us. How do you do it? It's impossible. Can't do it, won't do it. That used to be a cookery program when I was a young boy. Can't cook, won't cook. Can't do the commands, but there is also something within me that says, I don't want to do the commands. Why is that? Well, as human beings, we were all born into this world with the same problem. Self-rule and rebellion against God. We were born not with love, love for God in our hearts, and certainly with no desire to obey his good, life-giving commands. But as a gospel church, and that's what we are, we have some good news this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, says the Bible, to love God and obey all the commands on our behalf. And he was anointed by the Spirit to do this. The Lord Jesus Christ's best invisible forever friend was the Holy Spirit. And as a man, he loved God and obeyed his commands. And on that basis, Jesus died for our sin, our sin of loving self and disobeying God. He died for us. And then he rose again from the dead, proving his work is finished and acceptable to God. Jesus now reigns in heaven, and he is loving and obeying the Father as he does so. Because everything's in his control, the Father has written out his will, and Jesus is now doing it as we speak. Part of that will was when Jesus went back to heaven, he would send as a love gift the Holy Spirit to live inside us. He's our best friend. Because in the Bible, because he wrote the Bible, the Holy Spirit, the whole Bible, we need the whole Bible, you know. What does he do? Well, Jim Packer says he's like, the Spirit is like a floodlight, has a floodlight ministry. If, you know what a floodlight is? It shines onto a building. It shines onto a pitch. You don't see the floodlight. You're too busy looking at the object. So in the Bible, the Holy Spirit comes and shows us how brilliant Jesus is. You do believe he's brilliant. And Jesus says, as he loved the Father and obeyed the Father, so he loves us. And we are to love and obey him, because if we love him, we obey his commands. And here's the point, because happiness will figure today. My joy will be in you, and your joy will be full. So the very heart of why you should obey the commands of Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit is 
our happiness in Jesus. Hmm. So the Holy Spirit lives inside us. He's our forever invisible best friend, and he's helping us to follow Jesus together by loving Jesus in happy obedience. Did I say that? Happy obedience. Obedience is not happy, is it? Oh, I suppose I have to do it. Don't really want to do it. That's how we see obedience, isn't it? So I have to learn something, and so do you. And we need to do it together. That actually, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can love and obey Jesus happily. Do the commands. Though they're, inc- though they're impossible, we can still do them. Look at verses 16 to 22. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he goes on to say, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. To quench, you have a thirst. How do you put your thirst out? You have a drink. How do you quench the Spirit? You put out His influence by listening to His Word and saying, well, I'm not listening to that. Or we quench the Spirit because He will show us Jesus and say, now go on, love Him. Let there be a fire in your heart towards Jesus so that you obey what He says. And I pour cold water the cold water of my unbelief all over that and say, no, that's impossible. So I have two points. I want to say to you probably I will only cover the first point. Okay? You have an outline. So I'm taking the pressure off myself and I'm taking the pressure off you. All right? It's probably only going to be the first point. And therefore, the first point is this, quenching the Spirit and His truth, putting out the influence of the Spirit through His truth. You see, the Holy Spirit wants us to have a beautiful communal life together, and He wants us to protect that. And if you read in in the Bible concerning the work of the Spirit within the church, it's always normally done in positive ways. Think of Ephesians 5, 18. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And then we speak to each other in hymns and sings, uh, psalms and spiritual songs. And There's a happy, generally, people. Positive. Here it's in the negative. Do not. Because it's protecting the positive. Be happy in your faith, says Philip, at all times happy. Never stop praying. Be thankful whatever the circumstances may be. If you follow this advice, you'll be working out the will of God expressed to you in Christ Jesus. Never damp the fire of the Spirit and never despise what is spoken in the name of the Lord. The Spirit speaks His truth into the church about all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done. 
The Spirit helps us to understand the good will of God and guides us to be faithful to what he says. People have discussed prophecies, and it's a legitimate conversation, whether there are words from the Lord to the church specifically about certain things to help the church remain faithful to Jesus. But we're not Thessalonians. We are Egbert Community Church, and we have a completed Bible. The New Testament church did not have a completed Bible. It certainly did need those words of prophecies to help it. Words from the Lord to the church. That's why they were not to despise the word of the Lord. For us, it is the Bible. And the Spirit teaches us from the Bible. He speaks to us from the Bible that he got written. Look at verse 27. Paul is writing Scripture, and he knows it. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers, i.e. the whole church. I put you under oath. That's serious stuff. Make sure the whole church reads this letter. And so the Bible, my friends, is Christ's loving, supportive authority. And as we hear the Bible taught, we hear the loving authority of Jesus resting upon our community. And that's how the Spirit speaks. Check out Revelations 2 and 3, the churches, where the Spirit is speaking to the churches, and let the church who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Well, you don't have to guess. With all due respect, you don't need a vision. We have a completed Bible. It tells us everything we need to know. Okay. Let's take seriously this quenching of the Spirit then. And I, have say, I need to say two things about that in its negative form. We quench the Spirit by thinking His truth and His commands are ridiculous. We quench the Spirit by thinking His truth that He's written out for us and commands that go with it are ridiculous. That's what it means to despise the word of the Lord. To despise the Lord and His word is to say, I'm not going to listen to this. It's a hearing truth issue. I don't know how you're hearing this morning. Only you know that, don't you? I was coached at football, believe it or not. This is not an illustration about football, so don't, don't you know, just go with me. You may be coached about something else. That was fine. And my coach was a wise, actually a kind and gentle man who encouraged me in my football playing. But then sometimes, in training, he would point out where I was going wrong. But I despised my coach. 
I didn't listen to him. You know why? I thought I was a brilliant footballer. I was just awesome. And what did this old man know? It didn't go well on the pitch, though, when, when things broke down and Morris was the reason for the problem. And then I had to wise up and realize that my coach was actually, had my best interests at heart, and he wanted me to be a better player. Christ the Creator knows all things, because he's God. Christ the Redeemer has lived as the obedient man under severe temptation on the world. Therefore, the Spirit who is the best friend of Jesus knows exactly what Jesus knows. And so that little illustration, which I got from C.S. Lewis, you know the scroll of paper? They know everything. And we know, collectively, as human beings, a God. And I find in my Christian life, and I think you may find the same, that we end up living out the dot. Because the truth sounds ridiculous. We quench the spirit when we put our fingers in our ears and say, regarding the truth, I'm not going with that. So at the end of this service, and you go home, then why don't you check out what I've been teaching this morning and see if it is consistent with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 12 to 28. And if it isn't, then okay, let it go. Ignore it. Put it on the floor. But I will be held accountable that I have taught you wrong. We must not quench the spirit in that way, the hearing issue. But we quench the Spirit by dampening down his fire in our hearts. Well, I was a scout. I wasn't a very good scout. I was pretty rubbish. Uh, I, do they still have scouts these days? You know, you go off into the woods and you build a little fire and you try to light it. And you don't use petrol. No, you don't use petrol. I'm not even suggesting it. You know, small little twigs with little dry stuff. And the, the flame hopefully takes hold a little bit and then you put more wood on and it's getting hotter and hotter and you can toast your marshmallows now. The Spirit wants to start and continue a fire of love in our hearts for Jesus so that we obey him. Luke 24, 32. Do you remember those two men in the uh, road to disciple, uh, road to Emmaus? There were two disciples. And Jesus taught them the whole of the Old Testament. <laughs> It took seven miles to do it, really. And did, what did they say when they recognized him eventually? What was it? Did not our hearts burn within us? That's passion, isn't it? I wonder what, it, what burns inside the control center of your life and my life. What burns there? You know, a deep, warm love. 
And, of course, where there is a deep, warm love for whatever it might be, you'll do it. <laughs> you'll pay for it. <laughs> no questions. The two followers, with their flip-flops on, ran back through the night seven miles to joyfully say to the church, what? We have seen the Lord. You like two boys like that in your Egbeth community church? Way too passionate. Calm down, boys. But they have the Holy Spirit, you see, living inside their lives. So how do we test the commands as we're called to do? We're on our way to the final bit now. Let's go with the command, rejoice always. It means to be happy in Jesus always, without exception. Now, what I do with that command is kind of say, well, <laughs> I'm not always happy. And I shared this with the children. I might do it to you at the end. I'm not always happy about Jesus in my life. No, I'm not. I, I have some complaining to do to Jesus from time to time. Rejoice always. Oh, rejoice, yes. To rejoice in the great hymns, well, we'll give it that. But to rejoice always. Paul has referred to grief in this passage earlier on in chapter 4, I think. They've lost loved ones and they grieve the loss of their loved ones. So sadness is a right emotion in relation to things. Doubts and fears, etc., our right emotions in relation to our lives and to express them to Jesus, and he can take it. But here's the miracle. The miracle is this, that you can be sad in genuine grief and yet happy in the Lord at the same time. Because if we can't, then we're saying to the Spirit, we're quenching Him, really. We're saying, no, we can't because you can't. The Lord Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. The worst moment of the Lord Jesus Christ's earthly mission was His death on the cross, wasn't it? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know that Jesus also knew joy on the cross? Who for the joy set before him despised the cross and the shame. He could see beyond the cross to the ultimate joy of a whole people presented faultless to the Father, even on the cross even in the darkness. We have no right to say to the Spirit today, you can't do that in me. And you can't do that in us.
which is why we pray, and Paul does, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. He who calls you to this is faithful. He will surely do it. For when Jesus returns in all his glory, how are we going to live forever? Well, there are many things could be said, but the one I want to say is that we will love Jesus perfectly, eh? and we will obey Jesus always, and we'll be happy about it. Always. That's where it's going, friends. And so I have to say to you that the Spirit is our best friend who is helping us to be loyal to Jesus. And where he really does move amongst us, his fruit of joy, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control will all be increasingly evident. And happy are the congregation who know that fruit. I told the children this story. I'm going to finish with it, and then I'm just going to lead you in prayer. So much more to say. There are a lot of gaps, aren't there? But hey. Um, we moved to Liverpool uh, in 19, uh, 2019. Uh, I was retiring from uh, ministry. I'd served the Lord for many years as pastor. I was looking forward to sitting down. You know, I'd done my bit, you know. Lovely rest, you know. Read a, read a book, listen to some music, drink coffee, and, you know, watch Linda work. No, 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 no. You know, I'm getting killed now. <laughs> but the problem was, it's not a problem. I love my father very deeply. But my, my father, my mother went to be with the Lord two years ago. And my father has declined ever since. And there has been uh, the call of God to go look after dad on many occasions. But I've retired. I'm entitled to a lot of rest. So I was not happy with Jesus. No, I wasn't. And I told him so. That sounds dreadful, but I'm being honest with you. I was not happy with Jesus. But I read the Bible every... Uh, no, not but. But I do read the Bible every day, or I try to. Sometimes it goes better than others. That's okay. But I was discovering at this period of life, there was an awful lot about happiness in the Bible. God is happy. <laughs> Jesus is full of happiness because he's holy. The, ho the Holy Spirit produces joy because he's joyful. Oh. oh, dear me. Way too much happiness in the Bible. Of course there is grief and sadness and difficulties and darkness. I'm not despising those things. I also have been praying some prayers, um, and they're written out prayers from others, and, and I came across two of them at this time. One was heaped up happiness in Jesus. <laughs> heaped up happiness in Jesus, would you believe it? And the other one was happy obedience to Jesus. Would you believe it? Happy obedience. Well, I wasn't happy about that. And yet the Spirit said to me, not audibly, 
I want you to keep praying those prayers now, Morris. I want to work on this. You need to learn how to rejoice always. So I continued to pray these prayers. I wasn't happy. <laughs> I was getting more and more disgruntled by the moment, really. Because the more I prayed about happiness, the unhappier I became. Until I went to see my dad one day. And we, what we do is we do a few jobs for him. We sit down and have a coffee with him. And then what I do with my dad always is to sing. Well, it's growling. But I sing a hymn. I read scripture and I pray. Well, the Lord turned up this day. I tell you, I wasn't expecting this. I really wasn't. Uh, you know, you never know what the Spirit's going to do eventually. Because he wants us to obey the commands, you see. So he keeps on his persistency. <laughs> and I prayed for about 15, 20 minutes. But my dad was engaged in all of that. He has dementia. He, he normally can't do that. So I decided to growl another hymn in Christ alone. It's a very happy hymn, isn't it? Have you read the words? And so I began to sing. Of the heaped up happiness of Christ invading my life. The Spirit gave me what I thought he couldn't give me. I was reversing the car out of the drive to go home. And the Spirit, not again audibly, but into my conscience said, and you didn't think I could do that. Because I was quenching the Spirit. I wasn't listening to the truth. I didn't want him to stir up in me a heart of love for Jesus so that I obeyed what he said because I didn't think I wanted that. The Spirit is our best friend. And he's our best friend because he keeps us on track with Jesus. And he doesn't give up on us. And he never walks out. Let us pray. Gracious Spirit, we only have two options before you now at the end of this teaching. We either quench you again in our hearts by putting our fingers in our ears and not listen to your truth. We can pour cold water of unbelief all over the fire that you may want us to know in our hearts regarding Jesus and how brilliant and awesome he is. But help us, Father, God of peace, to sanctify us now so that we are more devoted to Jesus by the help of the Spirit. Be faithful to us now. Help us to turn away. Help us to embrace that which we now need to embrace afresh. We can't live like this, gracious Spirit. You know that. And we won't live like this on our own, but you are with us. We're sorry that we've often despised your truth and not done it. And we're sorry that we've dampened down the affections that you would have stimulated in us 
concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Gracious Spirit, please help us. Please help us now, all of us, as individuals, but also as a fellowship. Thank you, gracious Spirit, that you don't leave us, but you go on working with us. And so I pray, please go on filling us as you have commanded us to pray. We don't want to get drunk with wine, which is just debauchery. We want to go on being filled with you, loving Jesus and obeying what Jesus says until you return, Lord Jesus. And when you return, because we are generally and joyfully and truly committed to loving you and obey you, there will be nothing blameless in our life or in our church life. In Jesus' name, amen.